All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the We're Talking Football podcast. I'm Weston. With me, as always, my right. Wait a minute. Nobody is with me this evening. Lou is out gallivanting around watching March Madness. I prefer to be here to talk about my favorite subject, which is going to be the San Francisco 49ers and what's taking place so far in the first wave of free agency. Legal tampering period began Monday. Here we are sitting Thursday evening. A lot of big names off the board, a lot of big names still remaining. So let's take this opportunity to go ahead and dive through what the 49ers have and have not accomplished in the first handful of days of free agency. So we're going to do a little math this evening. We're going to do addition, subtraction, retention. We're going to have a lot of fun. Again, talking about my favorite subject matter, your San Francisco 49ers. So to me, the free agency period is always just so interesting. I, I like the rest of you, as a diehard fan for the San Francisco 49ers, I want us to bring in the world's greatest talent year over year. Uh, that's the fan in me. Uh, the knowledgeable football fan understands that a unique sport with a salary cap, that's not always possible. So I don't really ride the highs and the lows like a lot of other people do, because here's the truth. The 49ers roster is already loaded with superstars. Loaded. I mean, Trent Williams, George Kittle, Nick Bosa, Christian McCaffrey. I almost said Eric Armstead. I'll throw him in there. Fred Warner, Debo Samuel, Kyle Juszczyk, Charvarius Ward, Dre Greenlaw, Brandon Ayuk. I mean, this team, Telenoa Hufunga, the team is loaded with studs at every level, both on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball. But like any team, um, there's certainly some gaps to fill. So let's talk about what gaps we may or may not have filled to this point in time. I'm going to start with the additions. That's always the most sexy and, and, and track, attractive topic. So I'm going to start with the most obvious, the Javon Hargrave addition. I was under no disillusion that the 49ers were going to be heavy players in this traditional first wave of free agency where the big names tend to come off the board. You hear about their contracts and the teams that they're going to agree with you know, in advance of the start of the new year, which happened to be yesterday, Wednesday, uh, March 15th. So Javon Hargrave, uh, how do you not love this signing? I, I know that at first glance, a lot of pundits are going to sit there and say, well, it's the same contract that, you know, DeForest Buckner signed two years ago when we traded him away and he went to the Indianapolis Colts. Different time. I think this is the 49ers recognizing that, there was a wrong done that they certainly wanted to hang on to DeForest Buckner uh, who wouldn't want to, but we need to be stout. And this defense is always stout when we are solidified at that defensive tackle position. Now this is the NFL. You pay off of past performance. So I understand that Javon Hargrave is 30 years old. I understand that he had his best season last season for the NFC championship uh, champion, Philadelphia Eagles who participated in the Super Bowl, obviously, but when you can get better at a position of need, you always take that opportunity. I mean, Hargrave's a stud. Like, he was one of the most coveted prizes coming into this free agency period, and I never for in a million years imagined that we'd be in play for that individual. Love his physicality. I love the pressure that he creates from the inside, which is often overlooked on how important that is in the modern-day um, NFL, huge addition 
with the caveat, like anybody, so long as he can stay healthy, can stay on the field, he's going to pull double teams away from Armstead lining up next to him. He's going to maybe pull a double team away from Nick Bosa from here to there, depending upon the, the scenario. So a lot to love about this signing, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to critique it a little bit as well. I just mentioned 30-year-old, right? Like you tend to want to give your $80 million plus contracts to those folks you know, who are coming out of their rookie contract, the 25, 26, 27-year-old individual that have a lot of football ahead of them, plays defensive tackle. They can they tend to hang around in the NFL so long as they're durable for an extended period of time. Personally, I would have loved to have seen that type of money if I knew we were going to invest it in free agency, uh, apply to the, the offensive line, specifically the right tackle. We'll talk about the departure um, that took place there and the void that was left and how you needed to fill it. But, you know, a couple attractive names on the, you know, that specifically play right tackle um, in free agency that I would have loved to have seen us go after to solidify this offensive line, especially why there's so much uncertainty around the health of our quarterbacks. Trey Lance, Brock Purdy, fill in the blank, right? It always seems to be a recurring theme for us at the position. But by far and away, I am thrilled to death. I'm floored over this this Hargrave signing, and I think he's a tremendous addition to what is already, you know, touted from time to time as the league's best defense. I think this helps them remain that competitive. The second addition, quarterback Sam Darnold. In trolling social media, I see a lot of individuals just, I don't want to say upset, but just like uncertain around this signing and what it means. And for me, I'm not perplexed in any capacity. We all watched the NFC Championship game. We all watched the 2022 NFL season that started with Trey Lance under the center. First quarter, week two, out for the season. Jimmy comes in. Go on a little bit of a run. Jimmy gets hurt. Purdy comes in. We go on a huge run. Purdy gets hurt in the NFC Championship game. Then Josh Johnson gets hurt in the NFC Championship game. And one-armed Brock Purdy's got to come back in and play in the ratings, they were always going to be in the quarterback market, so I don't know why this is so confusing. I don't think Sam Darnold coming in has anything to do with derailing the possibility of Trey Lance or Brock Purdy being the starting quarterback for this team go forward. He's an insurance policy. They're, the jury's still out on Trey. I'd say the jury's still out on Brock, right? They've they've both showed you know glimmers of hope, and uh, they've both shown – their age and their maturity in certain games and in decisions that they make to me, Sam Darnold is just somebody who's a, a vet that has obviously had tremendous upside coming out of school. Um, never seen that really come to fruition. I could argue that he's played on terrible teams, but don't be confused. Sam Darnold is not coming in to be the starting quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers. If I was reading into conspiracy theories in any capacity to me, this particular individual being signed tells me two things. It tells me, one, they're not confident that Brock Purdy is going to be back by the start of the season. If they were very confident in that, um, I think you might see another name be brought in to, to play that third-string role, essentially. You know, you could argue you gave up a lot of money for a third-string quarterback, but I can look and tell you, hey, sub $15 million dollars, this year invested in my entire quarterback position, there are teams that are paying mediocre quarterbacks far more than that, a single quarterback, not allocating to the entire position. So to me, that's a win. 
But I think it's an, a, a clear indictment, in my opinion, that Brock Purdy is not going to be back as soon as this team hopes and they're hedging their bets. The other thing that it actually tells me, and I don't know if I subscribe to this, as the fan of me doesn't necessarily subscribe, but to me, why did Brock Purdy work so well? Because they were calling the same offense they were calling for Jimmy G, plus or minus a couple wrinkles, right? When Trey Lance is in there, to me, it opens up a different dynamic in this particular offense. Sam Darnold feels like you're calling the same offense that you would for Brock Purdy than it does Trey Lance. So I think the ultimate hope is that Brock Purdy comes back, is healthy. Trey Lance bides time. Unless Trey balls, and I and I hope he does. I, I am rooting for the kid more than you can ever imagine. But if he balls, he keeps the spot. If he doesn't, if there's even a little bit of a stutter step, depending upon Brock's health, Sam, you're, you're running the offense right now. We believe you to be competent, and we believe that we've surrounded you with more playmakers than you've ever had in your professional career. You'll have an opportunity to be successful here. And then the natural transition to Brock. And this is about Kyle. This is about Kyle getting in the rhythm, calling an offense, a similar type of offense, building some consistency and finding some gimmicks here and there that are going are to fit the team. I love the Darnold signing. Not necessarily – the more I think about it, I like it. Not necessarily the person that I would – was going after in my mind thinking like, Hey, if we really want to gear this offense towards Trey and we want to get Kyle in that play calling capability, maybe Bar I'm kicking tires on like a Marcus Mariota. That that's just me. Right. But here we are, Sam Darnold. But again, let's get rid of the, the mindset that Sam Darnold is here to be the starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers go forward. That is not the case whatsoever. I am confident in that, but I'm also confident in the fact that he's certainly a more viable option than, Josh Johnson, barring injury. But I'll tell you this, there will be another camp body that comes in, whether that's allocation from one of our 11 draft picks and a late round rookie, or just another aging vet um, with some experience that can help mentor some, some folks along the way. Let's talk about the final two additions. Cleland, Cleland Farrell, former number four overall pick in the 2019 draft. His career has been very underwhelming in Oakland slash Las Vegas, right? 10 career total sacks. This just has a Chris Kasarik reclamation project written all over it. We've seen this already, right? We've seen this done with Kerry Hyder, with Arden Key. We've seen uh, glimpses of this with Omenahu. We've seen glimpses of, of this with Samson Ibukam, right? Like just taking these guys that teeter on the fence and taking their team to the next level and then they, or their game to the next level. And then they just go sign large contracts elsewhere. And it's fine. It's just like a revolving door. That's this is the bucket that I envisioned the San Francisco 49ers being in off season. You have a really talented roster. You have gaps like all NFL teams do. You take chances, high low risk high reward type people that aren't going to cost you a type of, type of money but if they can recognize their potential tremendous benefit being brought to your football club that's just how i look at the cleveland feral if if it doesn't pan out no sweat off our back it's another piece you know uh, another individual can help get some um i would say players get their legs underneath them right like give give bosa a burn here drake jackson who we're going to expect a lot from in his sophomore season here you know give them some breathing time, get back out there. And what I'm really excited to see about uh, Cleland Farrell is the ability to, or Cleland Farrell, the ability to 
play a little bit of inside, a little bit outside. We saw a lot of success with Arden Key being able to do that, right? Lining up outside, stunting, coming back in, or even on the inside on third down, stunting from the inside to the outside, coming around that edge and getting pressure on the quarterback. So optimistically speaking, I'm excited. Do I have a ton of expectations? No, not really. Just really hopeful that Kassarik can do what he's continued to do as the, the best defensive line coach in the NFL, in my opinion. This is where these guys go to recognize their talent and potential um, and kind of catapult their career. Final addition piece, cornerback Isaiah Oliver brought in from the Atlanta Falcons. I don't want to sit here and say I was high on Oliver coming out of Colorado, the same draft that Akella Weatherspoon came. I think the 49ers are familiar with them because they scouted Weatherspoon um, and, and certainly have some tape on Oliver. I think he's got some promise. I've seen some some videos out there, some some sticky hands, but, you know, hasn't been in the limelight, right? Like, you know, had a pick last year, happened to be against us, has two total career interceptions in his four years um, in the league so far. But again, a low risk, high reward. Another guy, if he can re recognize his potential, I think he gives you a little bit of hybrid love, can play inside, can play outside. I think you can get cute with him. I would expect Wilkes to get a little, you know, to to change up some formations when, when we are more in a nickel and a dime package and maybe slide him back into safety and bring some people closer to the line of scrimmage, stop the run, disguise some packages. I think you can get creative with them, but I'm not overly optimistic, right? Not like a sexy name, certainly not a household name, but a needed piece at a needed position, especially based off of some of the departures that we're going to talk about in a bit. If I had to look at this entire first wave of free agency and give it a grade based on additions and subtractions and retentions, I'm still, the jury's still out for me. Um, by no means am I saying they're a winner in free agency or a loser in free agency. This was a really tough time. This, you know, we had 28 free agents of our own. And this is a problem that all top tier teams face is even your role players on an impactful team start getting looks from other organizations to take on key roles for their football club. And that's what we're seeing right now. I don't want to call it a mass exodus. I just want to call it a logical ex exodus. Most of these people who are departing or are about to depart, I mean, it was almost a foregone conclusion before the offseason even began. So we'll talk a little bit more about that. Let's talk about the names that we do remember that are coming back to the 49ers. Love the, the, love the re-signing of Jake Brendel. Is Jake a superstar? Is he the best center in the NFL? By no means is he, but he's serviceable. And now we're talking about continuity in four positions along the offensive line coming into the following year. Um, that's big time. Continuity is a huge thing. It, it's just these guys know how to work together. They know where they're going to be. They know splits and alignments, what the other person's thinking, strengths, weaknesses. I love all that related to this offensive line. And for a center that started every game and was more than serviceable and the PF grades, uh, PFF grades would align. Not that I'm huge on it, but if you need to reference them, they're there. Reasonable for an NFL center right now, um, in, in my opinion. The other piece for me, Tashawn Gibson. We knew it was a toss-up. Deshaun or Jimmy Ward, we knew Tashawn was always the most obvious. Um, obviously had a, a phenomenal season last year. I'd argue his best season in the NFL he had. But here's the downside. This is a guy that was actually talking about and contemplating retirement and wants to come 
back and play football. You do question the. I don't want to question any NFL player's motivation, but is he as hungry as he was to start last year or earlier in his career? Can he somewhat replicate his 2022 performance? Jury's out. I don't know. History tells me most likely not, you know, but if he can get close to that performance, you know, this is a win and a relatively cheap win and an integral part of your defense, at least from the previous season. Some other names, Jawan Jennings. We know about that was kind of earlier than the, the off season, but what we've seen over the coming weeks, Kevin Givens, love Givens game. I'm going to lump him in, up in with T.Y. McGill. So these are rotational pieces. We didn't see T.Y. until the end of last year when he finally got promoted off the practice squad to the active roster. Guy is serviceable. Plays. He's relentless. He hustles. Does not take plays off. That's what this defensive line thrives on. The ability to rotate, right? It's not your same four down linemen for three downs every single series. These guys can rotate in and out, spell one another, certain. I would say serviceable in the pass game, uh, certainly more than serviceable against the run. So love the retention of Givens and even T.Y. McGill. Bring back Demetrius Flanagan Foles. To me, this is a special teams play. We saw the team invest relatively heavily last offseason around the special team. I'm thinking names like Oren Burks, George Odom. You know, obviously DFF was part of that, and now DFF is back. Um, that that's the role that I see him playing. I have no disillusion that this individual is going to be our LB three or replacing, you know, Al Shair. Uh, I, I, I think that is really Marcelino McCrary balls role to, to be one um, role to be one and to be had. And, and I love to see that. And I'll talk a little bit about that, how the 49ers kind of play for prepare for these exodus over time. Colton McKivitt's retention the swing tackle prior to this. I, I got to be honest with you. Like I see the rhyme and the reason behind it, but I don't necessarily see that signing and nothing about it screams to me starting right tackle for the San Francisco 49ers. On paper, that's what we want to say. We want to say, hey, they retained the tackle. Trent Williams is the left tackle. This is a natural transition for him. And, and slide to the right tackle. We've seen him play in big spots at left tackle and perform relatively well. I just, I'm just not buying it. I'm just not buying that he, the 49ers think this is our starting right tackle. I think they're going to continue to do their due diligence in free agency. I think they're going to look at how the draft board falls with all of their picks and understand if they need to slide up, slide back, whatever the movement or pivot it is that they need to take. I think right tackle is still very much on their radar that we need to solve that issue or, or fill that gap, but I'm fine with bringing him back, right? It's not a crippling contract by any means or money that be totally well spent elsewhere. Like you invested draft capital in this guy. You've kept them around this long. You've plugged them in in important scenarios, kick the tires on giving them a shot. My opinion, last piece, Tabor pepper, I laugh to myself about this, not at Tabor. I just don't think the NFL understands how important, or excuse me, fans understand how important it is to have competent special teamers that touch the football, right? We always just laminate the kicker. We forget about how 
important the holder is in the scenario, how important it is to get the guy who snaps the ball back seven yards deep, 15 yards deep, depending upon whether it's a field goal or, or a punt scenario. It's important. It's And it's a very difficult skill. Like, I don't think people appreciate what they do. So, Tabor Pepper, I appreciate you. You're a great social media follow. I'm glad to have you back on this team. And I'm glad you found a home where you can stay for quite a bit. And, and more importantly, we appreciate your effort. We appreciate your consistency. We don't talk about you often, which is the ultimate compliment to a special teamer, specifically a long snapper. You're not a liability. And that's what I love about it. So kudos, that's the retention. So if you're if you're doing the math, four total additions, eight returning free agents signed of the 28 free agents that we had. And I honestly do expect more people to come from that list. I wouldn't be shocked if Kerry Hyder makes his way back. I wouldn't be shocked to find Jordan Willis back here. I wouldn't even be shocked to see us kick the tires on, hey, what does Verrett need for another prove-it deal coming off another injury? You know, his name and his performance when he is in healthy buys him a little bit of longevity in this league and at a position you need some depth in and you've lost a little bit. Could be an opportunity if it's on the cheap. And I'm just going to say this because all 49er fans know this, appreciate it. I'm just waiting for the day during the season when – Dante Johnson finds his way back. The island that is known as Dante Johnson will find his way back to this 49ers roster at some point in the 2023 season. It's a foregone conclusion. I don't know who he's got blackmail over in this organization, but he always finds his way here, plays hard. I don't want to say he has big moments. He has serviceable moments. And from time to time, he's done all right. When we needed him to play well, he's he's done okay. Let's talk about the losses. Some of these hurt. The ones that hurt, hurt from the fan perspective. So let me elaborate. Aziz Alshair. Just a, a young, studly talent that gets overshadowed by Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw. When Greenlaw's been hurt, number 51 came in, played out. But we knew he played his, his way into a large contract, one that we could not as a team justify for what amounts to be your LB three, right? Just the way this defense plays. I'd love to keep him around. I, I, he's just, I'm, I'm a fan, you know, he's a fan favorite, but here's the reality about not just the NFL business and life in general, you are valued more by an outside party, another team, another company, whatever it might be traditionally 20 to 30% more than you're valued by your own company, your own team. That doesn't mean they don't value you. That's just the nature of business and how this plays out. So we knew Al Shire was going to go get paid happy for him. It's been a, a play. I'm going to continue to root for him. We know he's going to the Tennessee Titans. Can't wait to watch some of his football games. And I hope he lives up to the billings. I think the biggest shock for me is he's not a Houston Texan and not a, a steel by D'Amico Ryans because I thought that was a, a foregone conclusion in full transparency. You'll see here not much has changed. Even if lose here or not, we still got the vino. Still got to wet the palate. We move forward. Here's one that I think hurts more than most people will 
they'll acknowledge it, but they'll acknowledge it under the sentiment that this is Aaron Donald's daddy, as they call it. And it's Daniel Brunskill. Yes, he's performed admirably when we would go against the LA Rams and Aaron Donald. The truth is, though, what hurts about moving on from Brunskill is he can play every position on the offensive line, and he has for us. Center, guard, tackle. You saw so much last year of a rotation between him and Spencer Burford in the middle of the game, and that's hard. That's really hard to not think you're taking every rep at your position like an offensive lineman typically does. Split series, come in. He's just... He's just the ultimate team player in, in my eyes. Just feels like a locker room guy. Not that I'm in that locker room and can speak to that. But I think that one hurts more than most people will actually recognize. And I think in the event of an injury and things of that nature, we'll understand that um, in a moment when we probably don't want to during the 2023 season. Jimmy Ward. Come on. Love Jimmy, right? Love them when he came out. I, I mean, this guy's done another guy who's done everything for us. He's played in the slot. He's played outside corner. He's played both safety positions. He's just done whatever we've asked, and he's done well. I would argue, and if you come back and listen to shows on the We're Talking Football podcast, I have publicly said he's a top 10 defensive back in the NFL. So what does that mean? It just means it was time to move on for him, right? Um, we saw this the reported spat of him wanting to go play safety and – Kyle saying he needs to, you know, stick to being in the slot. I don't know how much I subscribe to Kyle saying that considering it was D'Amico's defense, right? And what what's better for your defense ultimately. But I just we've been flirting with this for years that Jimmy was moving on and he finally did. And then you knew this offseason was going to be between him or Tashawn. You knew Tashawn Gibson was going to be cheaper. You knew you have Hufunga there, right? So it was only going to be one being retained for, for safety. Um, when all was said and done, I think they looked at it like, hey, I think we might be okay in the slot. Is, is it going to be the equivalent of Jimmy Ward? Most likely not, but I think they're high on Samuel Womack. I think they are, and I, and I think we're going to see more about that. Or do they want to slide Demo in, Ambry Thomas outside? I don't. I hope they don't do that, but there's options there. They're not the best options, but there's options in what is a business, ultimately. The edges. This this hurts, too. Amenahu, Ibukam, obviously they they flourished under with the, under this defense and specifically under Chris Kasurik. But another thing, like look at the contracts these guys just went and signed, right, with the, with the Kansas City Chiefs, et cetera. Like they're getting paid money, real money. That we, there's just no way we can invest when our whole philosophy across this defensive line, outside of your superstars, Bosa, Armstead, now um, Hargrave, rotate, 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 fresh legs, fresh legs, fresh legs, fresh bodies. Those were pieces. Those hurt. Time to go on. The other pieces, you know, Maurice Hurst, who spent most of the year on, on IR. Anyway, Hassan Ridgeway, who does find his way down to Houston to, to play for D'Amico Ryans. These were just pieces of the, you know, cogs in the wheel that we knew it was just a matter of time um, before they they had to, to, to part. Sticking with the defensive side of the ball, this is the one that personally pains me the most, is the loss of Emmanuel Mosley. 
I don't know. The Homer in me was just a huge fan of his game, an unsung hero, just played his way onto the field, was there when we needed and just balled out, was balling out to begin last year. But then he tears the ACL. And I think he was had for a relatively cheap cost to, to Detroit. I don't want to sit here. I don't want to be the Homer and say that my team knows more than I do. That, that is the truth, but that's also the Homer opinion, just trusting in the process, et cetera. Like, I want to be critical here. I think it's a mistake. I, I, I do. Um, I know you might say, hey, there's some injury consistency here with, with E-Man, et cetera. Don't care. Guy's a, guy's a player. We see this all the time in the NFL, right? Like, we're always in constantly perplexed on these undrafted rookie free agents who come in and just ball in their career or late-round picks that are just tremendous football players. Like you're either a gamer or you're not. And Emmanuel Mosley, number 41, number four, whatever number he's got strapped to his back, he's a gamer. He's just a gamer. And when you're a good team that is right now has the window to consistently compete, to win your conference and participate for the Lombardi trophy, you don't want to give up gamers when they can be had at, a reasonable price in the cornerback market. So this one personally hurts me, but I think logically this one doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Now, any one of these you can rationalize. Totally get it, right? Like you can make the dollars and cents argument, whatever it is, but I think you figure out a way to keep somebody like uh, Emmanuel Mosley. But the truth is like Demo balled out at the end of the year. There's always the the we're notorious for this, like downplaying the role that these people are going to play on whether it's the offense or the defensive side of the ball. And maybe E-Man was just like, you know what? I'm going to go where I know I'm getting a shot to start and not having to earn that back. Whatever his logic is behind going, whatever our logic is for letting him go, I don't I don't agree with it. Just my opinion, I, I, I want to retain him. And that's not just a fan of me. That's the the guy who understands the game and the way that this works and just wants dogs and ballers up and down this entire team. And he's one and he's one that got away. Flip back to the offensive side of the ball. Mike McGlinchey. We knew this was a four. I, I talked about how you're worth way more. Look at the contract. He just went side. There was just no way a, we could afford it. B that we would drop that into Mike. We know what he is. You know, as fans, we sit there and criticize him week in, week out. You see all the gifts, and God, this guy's become more memes than you can possibly imagine. The truth is, he was pretty good, right? He was pretty good against the run. You know, he tend to be a liability against the pass, but who isn't, right? There's very few that aren't when all is said and done. You could do far worse from a right tackle perspective, but he was never by us going to get paid top dollar right tackle money just wasn't going to happen. So we knew that was coming. The other one we knew was coming was the most handsome quarterback in the NFL, Mr. James Richard Garoppolo moving on. Bless you, Rita Oak. You finally get a reprieve after 400 plus days of drawing this guy until he gets traded. But lo and behold, what happens today? We see him coming to the building. Now you see press conferences being delayed. Now there's rumors about he failed his physical. We know the ailments that have plagued him foot, shoulder, thumb, can you know the list goes on and on? Don't know what might have caused a, a failed physical, but we'll find out. But the truth is, failed physical or not, he was a free agent. He wasn't coming back to us. The only thing that I'm a 
upset about is if he doesn't sign with this team or this big money contract is there's a loss, you know, compensatory pick there somewhere based off of, of who we're losing. So that's it. I mean, right now I mentioned 28 free agents. We've retained eight of them. We've lost 10 of them. There's some significant loss there, but loss that we all saw coming or should have seen coming plus or minus an individual. It's the nature of the business, man. Good teams turn talent just the way it goes, right? And bad teams overpay for that talent. And then they end up remaining bad teams. The fundamental philosophy of the NFL is still home, grow your talent, and find good, wise investments in veterans to continue to establish your team and make sure you're competing year over year over year. But this is one of the things that I think is an end what is envious about the San Francisco 49ers is this is not the first year we've had this many free agents. Actually, this has been happening for the last three years, time and time and time again, because of where we are with rookie contracts in that window and what we're allocating to the quarterback. It allows us to make some aggressive free agency moves on very specific players that solve a need, but it also allows you to, when you retain your talent, especially your talent that you didn't have to invest a lot of capital into, right? Like when you think of, like if you look up and down the board, George Kittle, fifth round draft pick, right? Um, Fred Warner, third round draft pick. Nick Bosa fell into our lap coming off of the, like a season not having your quarterback, et cetera. Like you didn't have to trade up for him. You didn't have to reach for him. You weren't a, a two and 14 team. Like, yes, you were on paper, right? four and 12 or whatever it was, but like that wasn't really a representation of you. Like you literally didn't even have a quarterback, like tough to, to play that year based on, on who you had actually playing. They've been able to grow talent. Elijah Mitchell. I mean, I can go on Tonoho Fungo just came off an all pro year. These are late round draft picks that have blossomed under this roster that puts you in a spot where you can invest in the future. And the 49ers have done this through red shirting through, projects that they might draft so i think of some names that i want you to keep an eye on this year names like offensive lineman jason poe you all saw the videos last year dude catching the ball out of the backfield like he's a fullback and a swiss army knife if you will but he's an offensive lineman by trade ton of upside from an athletic ability standpoint big physical guy let's see i think they want to see you know is this guy a serviceable backup for us and an eventual starter that's not the expectation this year but do you get him? Does he sniff the field a little bit more and get that opportunity? Um, I mentioned Marcelino McCrary ball. I think you're going to see a ton of this guy this year on the act of 48 or 46. Defensive tackle Kalia Davis, who was basically redshirted all last year, who tore his ACL late in the season, his, you know, his senior year in college, slid down a lot of people's draft boards because of that injury because he wasn't going to be serviceable right away when you're a team that's loaded and you have a lot of depth, you can make those plays. You can take those gambles. And then you look at it right now. Get 11 draft picks. Yes, I know we don't draft until the compensatory portion of the third round, but these are our money rounds. Traditionally, not just the Kyle Shanahan era, but before we don't necessarily do so great in the first and second round, right? Um, where we start to be better as a team, you know, we, we've had success in the third round. You look at the fifth round, sixth round, seventh round. Like, these are the guys that we roll the dice on that te- tend to be the right mental fit, you know, the the, the right skill set 
that come in. We have 11 draft picks. I'm telling you right now, 11 people don't make this football team. 11 people don't make this this the top 53, and they certainly aren't making the, the practice squad based on talent that we already have. Puts you again in that enviable spot. Do you want to package some of these picks? Move up a little bit. Be very selective on the people that you do want to pick. Do you trade out of some of these picks? And instead of worrying about recouping talent for this year, you know, do you gain, you know, do you trade a fifth round pick this year for a fourth round pick next year? Because this draft is always worth more than the next draft. So just things to, to consider that I think are going to help us replenish the stable. So if we walk out of here thinking about, okay, wave one of the free agency, we still got a while to go, right? Month and a half before we get to the draft. Still a lot of things that that can shake out. But what I'm prioritizing, what I think this team should prioritize is there needs to be more depth at edge. Otherwise, we're relying on a reclamation pro project in Cleveland Farrell, right? We're Nick Bosa, obviously superstar. And then last year's second round pick, Drake Jackson. That's not enough. There needs to be more depth there. Um, and you, you again take. I think this is an opportunity where you take just like high upside, freak athletic ability, but like a relatively unknown that might find yourself find themselves available third, fourth, fifth round. That sort of talent, right tackle. Talked about it earlier. I'm going to talk about it again. Colt McKivitz is not the solution. He might be the short term, but there needs to be investment, continued investment into this offensive line, specifically the right tackle position. And then the defensive back. I'm just of the school of thought. You can never have enough defensive backs, right? It is outside of playing quarterback. To me, it is the hardest position to play in the NFL. And when I say defensive back, I'm specifically referring to corner back. You are out on an Island. The whole world can see you. The national media can see you every tug of the Jersey, every false step getting burnt like toast is right there on public display. Just find the guys. To me, find the guys that just want to compete. Find the dogs. Find the guys that have been shit on their, their whole career. You're not tall enough. You're not fast enough. You're not this, right? The ones that just have that burning hunger, and they come in the form of fifth, sixth, seventh round draft picks and undrafted free agents. Find a diamond in the rough. That's my challenge to you, San Francisco 49ers. Can we find another corner? like an Emmanuel Mosley, that is a diamond in the rough that shows the right characteristics, but just has that little bit of dog in them that's willing to compete and willing to do what his competition is not to get that spot on the field or to earn his playing time. So again, that summarizes wave one. We're four days into free agency. There's still so much time. There's so many viable names out there, integral pieces that I think the 49ers could continue to target do i expect them to be aggressive and find the you know i don't know are they bringing in odell beckham jr or deandre hopkins or you know any of these people no they're not so i i hate to shatter everybody's like hopes and dreams but my gut tells me they're not i think they're gonna be diligent they're gonna let the market play out a little bit maybe some of these veterans like a jadavion Clowney, a calais campbell Right. That might be like one year rentals, essentially. But you're you're seeing what the market demands for them and you're pivoting from there. If it's something that you can pallet, 
you're going to do it. I feel, I still think they have some opportunity to rework some contracts, which is kicking the can down the road, but the window is small. The window is here. If you got to kick it down a little bit, totally fine. Go compete, go get six. I think as of today, we're sitting at like 10 and a half million above the cap. Does, I don't think that accounts for, um, Isaiah Oliver. I don't think that counts for the re-signing of DFF. Uh, or the T.Y. McGill, so I, Kevin Givens, I think there's a couple pieces missing to that. If they draft all 11 people, they're going to need about $9 million and change um, to pay all 11 people. They ain't draft. They're not making all 11 of these picks. There's, there's no way they're going to. They're going to slide up and back as they see fit, and don't be surprised if they find five or six guys that they want to go forward with and try to parlay the rest into a player from another team that's looking for some draft capital or even into, you know, more picks next, next year on top of the compensatory picks that they're going to build next year, but they're going to be strategic. The rest of these free agents, they're going to look for cuts. They're not going to look for people who are just naturally free agents because they're, because they play into the comp- compensatory f- uh, formula. And if anything, I've learned that Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch are very aware of this compensatory formula and I know that factors into their decision. So that's what it is. I don't have a grade yet. I'll come back and tell you winner, loser. We'll talk more about what I love, what I hate. What I've seen so far is a team that's saying we're still here to compete. That's it, right? Like we know what we have. We know the windows now. We're going to keep the foot on the gas and we're going to go. And as a fan of this team, that's all I ever ask for, right? That's not time to blow it up while we're figuring out the quarterback position, which is the 800 pound gorilla in the room or the dark cloud that hovers over you. Got to figure this out. Got to figure this out. It's year over year. We're just what's, what's happening here. What's happening here. What's happening here. And I, I have no, I don't know. You know what I'm, but as a fan, like as long as that person plays well and is not a detriment to this team, I don't care what number they are, what their name is. Don't care. I, I root for the name on the front not necessarily the name on the back. So if we got a competition going, let's have a competition, but let's, let's not make it a competition amongst scrubs. Let's make it a competition about, uh, amongst people that are serious and want to compete for the, for the championship for a Lombardi trophy. We want six. We, we, we just want to be part of that. I want six. I ain't getting any younger, man. It's been 27 years since I've last seen us ho- hoist a, a Lombardi trophy. I'm I'm anxious, man, and I know you, all of you are too. So that's it. I just, you know, I wanted to take this opportunity, dive in a little bit to just the 49ers, which is just my passion. I know I spend a lot of time working with Lou and we cover the entire NFL. Uh, so a little special treat for myself and maybe for some of the listeners. Tonight was all 49er football, specifically about the free agency period. Since Lou isn't here to remind you, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. WTF pod NFL on YouTube. We're talking football podcast. I keep plugging this TikTok channel. It's coming. I promise. I'm an old dog. I'm trying to figure out the technology, but I appreciate you giving a listen. You know, my first time on the fly, just doing this myself and, you know, Lou and I will be back next week. We'll talk more about free agency. We'll talk about the signings that we love that we don't, but at the end of the day, I'm here to entertain myself as long as along with entertaining you, So please expect that I'm going to take the time to come back and talk a little bit about 
more about the 49ers. In the short term, appreciate you all. See you on the other side.